Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Deb Rucker Personal Finance, Episode 125. And in this episode, we will explore the concept of deaccumulation, which sounds like a really funky thing, but essentially, it's when you retire, how do you structure your investments to last you a lifetime? For those of you that are new to the channel, there are three main aims. The first aim is to be educated and improve your financial literacy. And that leads to the second aim, which is to be using that knowledge to feel empowered so that you can take that knowledge to your credentialed financial advisor, planner or accountant. And the third aim is to be entertained. Just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make after listening to one of my episodes back to your credentialed advisor. In other words, don't listen to some random guy on the internet ranting about personal finance. But if you're stuck on what to do in terms of broad principles to get you on the right track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finance in general, in my humble view, there are some five easy steps which anybody could implement right now. Step one is you've got to pay yourself first because you're the most important person in your life. That means taking a set percentage, I recommend 20%, of your after-tax income and putting it aside, never to be touched or seen ever again. Step two is you've got to take that money and you've got to invest it, ideally into something you understand or want to understand. For me, I just understand the stock market and index funds, so I just buy index funds. Step three is, wherever possible, reinvest any income or dividends that you get from that investment back into that investment or any other investment, because the power of compounding is phenomenal. Step four is, you got to do it for the long term. Now, for me, long term is not five, 10 or 15 years. I'm talking 20, 30 if not 40 plus years. Of course, the earlier you start means the longer you can invest and the longer you can invest, the power of compounding works in your favor. And step five, my favorite, is wherever possible, automate your investments. Automation means less chances of forgetting and more chances of just following the plan. Now, if you do these five simple steps over the long term, you're more likely to have more money than you'll ever need. Money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, the lives of people around you a lot better. Now, before we go on to discuss the concept of deaccumulation, we need to define what accumulation is. So what is the accumulation phase? Now, you may have heard of that concept when discussing your superannuation with your accountant or financial advisor. There is the accumulation phase and there's the retirement phase, which is technically the deaccumulation phase. 
Now, the accumulation phase is when you build up your asset portfolio, whichever asset you may have, usually during your younger years, during the times when you work perhaps full-time or have a business to run. This is a whole premise of the pay-yourself concept. You earn money, you set aside a defined portion of that money, and you invest it. Of course, what you invest is highly variable. You may want to invest in properties, residential or commercial. You may want to invest in the stock market, individual shares, index funds or ETFs. You may want to invest in managed funds. You may want to invest in bonds, antiques or even cryptocurrency. That's up to you. But you've got to invest in something that you understand or want to understand. Now, investing, there are literally hundreds of options. But the basic concept of accumulation phase is during your working life, you build assets such that later in life, during your retirement phase, you can use those assets to live off. This is called the deaccumulation phase of your life. So your younger years are spent accumulating assets. And when you retire, or when you want to retire, or when you want to partially retire, you think about how you can leverage those investments to your advantage and basically live off them. And that is your deaccumulation phase. So in a sense, deaccumulation phase involves transitioning your retirement assets to retirement income. Now, this brings me back to the two basic things an investment must fulfill for me personally. The first thing is it should appreciate in value over the long term. And the second thing is during that term, it should also produce some income. Now, if you follow this basic rule of investing, it means your deaccumulation strategy is quite simple. You maintain your asset portfolio as it appreciates. It is also producing you income during your retirement. So technically, your deaccumulation strategy is basically leaving your assets to produce the income which you can use to live off. Now, the goals during the accumulation phase are the same for most people, but the goals for the retirement phase may not be the same, which makes deaccumulation as a concept a very complex issue to tackle. So let's use an example to highlight the complexities. So let's take a concept called dollar cost averaging. Now, I've talked about dollar cost averaging way back in episode 20-something, but essentially what it is is that you have a lump sum of money to invest and you split it into small parcels of money and invest it over a defined period of time. This is technically the definition of dollar cost averaging. But in reality, what most people do, which is also called dollar cost averaging, is during the accumulation phase, they save a portion of their income and invest it immediately. Pay yourself first, right? And keep doing it for the long term. Now, this is also because most people don't have large sums of lump sum money to invest as lump sums. So dollar cost averaging is a marvelous concept in finance, which actually benefits investors when the market hits a downturn. This means when the market is up, you buy less with the defined parcel of money. But when the market goes down, you buy more with the same parcel of money. It means over the long term, the average is out, hence dollar cost averaging. Now, when it comes to retiring and deaccumulation, dollar cost averaging can be a disaster. For example, if a retiree sells in a lower market, 
This means they need to sell more assets to achieve the same amount of money as opposed to if they're sold at the market peak. Now, imagine what retirees would have had to do if they had to sell quarterly, and it was April 2020 when the market was low globally. It will erode their wealth rapidly. So dollar cost averaging during deaccumulation may not be a great strategy depending on the timing of the market. Now, that's the greatest irony in finance. When accumulating assets, it's generally advised not to time the market, right? But when rather focusing on timing, time in the market. So during accumulation, time and time again, we talk about try not to time the market, make sure you spend more time in the market. But when you're deaccumulating assets, does one really need to time the market? Because otherwise, they will absolutely get destroyed. And that's the irony about you know, retirement versus accumulation phase. And that's why accumulation phase, in my view, is a lot easier to manage, whereas deaccumulation phase is very personal and very complex. So how best to deal with this phenomenon? To understand deaccumulation, retirees need to focus on three critical factors. Number one is risk. Number two is tolerance, especially during volatility and volatile periods. Number three is their capacity and nerve to handle the previous two issues. Now, I explained the concept of risk and volatility in episodes 48 and 75, respectively. So if you're interested, go back and listen to that. I go into really, really detailed geeky concepts around there. But let's go into detail here about concepts to consider when deaccumulating assets. The first thing is market risk. What is market risk? Now, this is an unavoidable risk when investing in any market, property market, stock market, bond market, whatever it is. Depending on the market, of course, the market risk is different. Now, in this case, I'm going to be predominantly talking about the stock market. Now, retirees are far more sensitive to market drops compared to non-retirees. So, for example, I'm a millennial. I want the market to crash because I want to buy more when the market crashes. I like market crashes. I loved COVID market crash. Now, it would have destroyed some retirement portfolios, and that's very selfish of me to some extent to think like that, but I'm in my accumulation phase. I want the market to be cheap. I always say to people, when you go to Coles or Woolies or Aldi or whatever shopping centre that you go to, and all the products are now 50% off, you don't walk away and come back another day when the products rise in prices. You buy more. You may want to stock up. So the stock market, in my view, is exactly the same. It's a big supermarket like Coles. And each of those companies or index funds or ETFs are now on discount when the market crashes. So why would I not buy more? I should be buying more. So as you enter into retirement, though, on the other hand, you need to consider the market risk and see it if your asset allocation, for example, is overexposed to the general stock markets, which can be very volatile. So asset allocation and market risk kind of go hand in hand. And the people that got hurt in the last GFC in 2008, for example, haven't really fully recovered due to the dollar cost averaging concept when it comes to deaccumulation, because it really hurt them bad. 
Now, the second type of risk is called sequence of returns risk. Now, I discussed this in detail in episode 28. If you're interested, really getting geeky about it, go back and listen to it. Now, this is basically when market risk affects the retiree's portfolio, depending on the order in which the returns occur. For example, if a significant negative market affects a retiree as they enter retirement and they're forced to draw down their portfolio for income, this can have a disastrous consequence for the overall retirement. In fact, it can deliver a fatal blow to the retirement and lifestyle. And if the market is on the up during the early phases of retirement, then it wouldn't have much of an impact at all. So let's use an example to highlight how market risk and sequence of return risks can potentially affect a retiree's deaccumulation strategies. So I'm going to give you some examples here. And this is based on the S&P 500 portfolio between 2003 and 2018 because we've had some market crashes during those years. Amy has a retirement portfolio in the S&P 500 worth about a million dollars in year 2003. The S&P 500 had had negative returns in 2008 of 38.5%, 2015 of 0.7%, and 2018 of 6.2%. This means between 2003 and 2007, the S&P 500 actually had positive returns. The sixth year, it had a negative return, and her total average over that entire period of time was 6.4%. Now, suppose Amy was lucky enough with this. At the end of 2018, she would have had about $2.8 million, assuming she doesn't draw down any money from her portfolio. So from $1 million to $2.8 million, not bad. Amy's done really well, but of course she hasn't touched her money. She's simply just let it grow, reinvest dividends, etc. Now, let's see what happens to Amy's portfolio if the sequence of returns changes but she also withdraws an income of, say, 4% from a portfolio. If she did that, depending on the sequence of returns, it would dramatically affect a portfolio at the end of 2018. I'm going to get you some examples here. So let's see how. Suppose in year one of her retirement, the returns were negative 38.5%, that is, just like the GFC. She still needs to live on $40,000, which is what a withdrawal rate is. And at the end of 2018 she would only have about $980,750. It's always a difference of $2 million. So a total of withdrawals would have been about $640,000. That is $40,000 per year over 16 years. Now, if the 38.5% negative returns happened in year 15 rather than year 1, then she would have about $2.03 million dollars despite having withdrawn the same $640,000 over the 16 years. And if the 38.5% negative returns happened in year 8, then she would have a modest $1.7 million in a retirement portfolio after all those years. So the moral here is market risk and sequence of returns risk can potentially kill your retirement if you don't understand this concept really well. And if you don't address it in your retirement deaccumulation strategy, and if you don't have a strategy for the deaccumulation of your assets during retirement. Now, what is the hidden risk in retirement in all of this? And that's inflation. Again, inflation is all the talk and all the rage at the moment when given limited supply products 
more money chasing the same amount of goods, inflation goes up. We all know that. That is basically people are, you know, the government's printing money and just dishing it out left, right and centre. So there's a lot of money available. But due to lockdowns and due to inability to spend that money, there's all this money chasing a small number of goods, which means prices will inevitably rise. So how can inflation affect your deaccumulation strategy? It's something that you need to think about. Now, in the previous example of 4% withdrawal rate, I didn't take into account inflation. So it would be difficult to live on $40,000 per year out of a portfolio of a million dollars during year 15, for example, when compared to year one, when inflation would have caught up to that person in year 15. And I discussed the concept in inflation you know, in great detail in episode 27 if you're interested, but what will need to happen is the retiree will need to factor in inflation at around 2 to 3% during their retirement, which means their drawdown may have to be 6 to 7% in their retirement. Now, the expenses for retirees is different, for example, um, when compared to their younger years. So, for example, healthcare costs are likely to be higher, whilst kids' education living expenses will be lower. And this expenditure difference needs also to be taken into account for retirees. Now, the other risk retirees need to consider is called longevity risk. The longer you live, the more money you need to accumulate to retire out of. Now, obviously, we all want to live long. We all want to live healthy. We all want to enjoy our money in our retirement. So, you know, longevity risk is a real thing. I mean, the average life expectancy in Australia is, you know, between 80 and 84 years of age, and it's rising. So the average person listening to this is likely to live you know, potentially 20 plus years after they retire at age 65. Now, those are the risks that you need to consider when you're planning your deaccumulation strategy, particularly in your retirement. So, you know, one of my colleagues asked me this question, Dev, what is your deaccumulation strategy? My my deaccumulation strategy is I feel that I have about 10 to 20 years of investing left over at the time of retirement, if I retire at age 65, provided I have good health, you know, the average life expectancy might be 80, 85 by the time I retire, for me. So I've got another 10 or 20 years of investing left. So I don't think I'm too worried about moving all my assets to bonds or cash towards my retirement at age 60 or 65, because I've got a decent runway still left over. Now, that might change at age 70 or 75 when, you know, a market downturn or volatile event can potentially crush my retirement. So, you know, I'm hoping to live off my dividends and my retirement and try not to touch my capital, but I may need to touch my capital um, capital when, you know, the returns on those investments are in more conservative assets, which means that you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to potentially have to touch my capital. But the aim is to have, you know, significant amount of wealth so that I don't need to touch any of the capital. I just live on the interest or the dividends or the income that is generated from that capital. I mean, that's going to be my strategy. Let's see what happens. Now, at this stage, in terms of deaccumulation, this is going to be part one of the episode. There is another part two coming up next time. So I'm going to finish up this episode at this point 
Um, and uh, to finish off deaccumulation strategies in the next episode, I'm going to be discussing the concept of asset liability matching. So it's an interesting concept which can be used in business but also can be used in personal finance as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, now, just a bit of a public service announcement. Um, if you're using Apple Podcast, you may have noticed my podcast stopped showing up uh, on your feed for a short period of time, and this seems to occur from time to time. But now it's been fixed by Apple, so if you have any troubles, let me know. Spotify, um, you know, is still giving me a lot of grief. It doesn't want to recognise the first 22 episodes so I've contacted Spotify numerous times, but they've been less than helpful with this, so screw them. So uh, if you're using Spotify and you want to listen to the first 22 episodes, you might need to migrate to Apple or Google Podcast, which seems to be very reliable, or even CastBox, which um, has been very reliable, or Anchor as well. Um, so thank you to those that have pointed it out to me uh, uh, recently about Apple Podcasts, and thanks for the feedback. Now, another pleasant update. This is really interesting. Um, this podcast channel has jumped to rank 16 in Australia for the category of investing all time. Now, I found this through Chartable, which is interesting, which is a sort of, you know, website that provides rankings for various podcasts and other things. And, you know, 16 in Australia for investing all time. I didn't expect this. I think I was about 34 a few weeks ago, and it's really jumped up recently. To provide some context to this, Dave Ramsey's podcast is number 10, and Motley Fool's podcast is number 18, and Comsec is at number 14. So I'm a little bit perplexed why my podcast channel is among those what I think is great channels, but I'm going to take this as a win. So, and I really appreciate all the support that um, all of you have given me. Now, in the trending podcast um, of investing, um, this podcast channel is ranked to 26th. Um, now, to provide some context, Aussie Fire and Chill is ranked at 17th. Sugar Mama is ranked at 10th. Equity Mates uh, Get Started Investing is ranked at 10th. And... Um, my Millennial Money is ranked as number one. So um, all of those great podcasts, by the way, I listen to personally. Um, so congrats to them. Uh, I love listening to as many finance and money-related podcasts as I get my hands on. Uh, they really do a great job in educating the public about investing and personal finance, which is what the main motivation of my channel is as well. Except I'm just some random doctor podcasting with my little old smartphone, iPhone, without any ads or studio or mic. It's basically literally me sitting either in my car or sitting in a study or sitting upstairs in a room and just talking into an iPhone. So I really appreciate everyone sharing the episodes as much as possible. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using or leave a five-star rating on all of the platforms. That's even better. We're up to 227 five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. So please help me get to 300. Uh, and on that note, here's a Apple podcast review that I found from Pottering11, who writes, highly informative and consistent personal finance podcast. Uh, discovered this podcast via an interview with Dev on the White Coat Investor podcast. High quality and relevant content for Australians. Love the repetition of core principles at the start of each episode. Always good to be reminded um, uh, to do uh, uh, you know specific concepts in mind. 
content is very relevant for non-doctors as well. I'm an allied health professional, they write. Cheers, keep up the good work. Uh, thank you very much, Pottering, for your feedback. Really appreciate it. If you have a podcast and want me as a guest, or if you have any questions or comments, happy to help. Just Facebook me or tweet me, whatever. I don't charge any feeds for podcast appearances, um, and this podcast channel is completely free. My aim is to help as many people learn about personal finances and investing as possible. It just so happens that a majority of healthcare prof- a majority of listeners to this channel are actually healthcare professionals, and uh, it can be doctors, nurses, allied health. Really, it can be anyone. You can be a tradesperson listening to this, and a lot of uh, tradies listen to it as well. Now, the more ratings, of course, you leave, the better it is so that more people can find this podcast. Remember to like Dev Raga Facebook page as well. Shout out to comments and questions. Share this channel with friends and family. And remember, always pay yourself first. Take 20% of after-tax income and put it aside. Um, and make sure you learn about accumulating wealth, which is a great thing. But during this phase, think about how you wish to deaccumulate. Think about your retirement. Uh, having a strategy moving forward is always a good thing. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 125. Much love to Sydney and New South Wales. Take care of yourselves and please stay safe. It's more important now that you stay safe than ever before. So look after each other, stay safe, social distance, get vaccinated. Um, not surprisingly, they're coming from a healthcare worker here and really, really looking forward to part two of Decumulation Strategies. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 